0: They just know. I feel kind of bad sometimes because uh, I'm not a good Facebook friend. You know, so every once in a while I get some kind of notification says that somebody has requested friendship, and I I try to get to those, but uh, sometimes it takes me a while, and you know, I've probably disappointed anybody who's looked at my Facebook page because I just don't get on there that much. I don't post things very much, and uh i don't look at other people's posts that much either and i, I found this article a little while back I, I thought it was kind of interesting it says that the average facebook user has 150 friends on the social network and uh but that's not that's not the same as having 150 real friends this, this anthropologist Robin Dunbar concluded that on the average only about 15 Facebook friends can be counted on to lend emotional support in difficult times and only five Facebook friends could be counted as close friends. So the title of this article is You Only Have Five Friends. Um, but you know, a good friend is somebody you can depend on, somebody who's going to be there for you. And uh, when we uh, read through Paul's letters... And when we read through the the narratives in the book of Acts, we can see that, uh, you know, Paul has a variety of of different types of of relationships. And he doesn't hesitate, by the way, to to point out people who are not good friends. Uh, For instance, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, Paul mentions some of these to Timothy. He he says, uh, "Do your best to come soon." For uh, Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is is with me. Second uh, Timothy four four through sixteen, uh, Paul tells Timothy, uh, "Alexander the coppersmith has done me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message." At my first defense, no one came by to stand by me, or no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, so you know paul doesn't sugarcoat things uh the Holy Spirit in fact we we need to believe inspired these words to to be put down uh inspired Paul to report these relationships the way they are, and yeah, I don't think Paul had. the the kind of heart to let these bad experiences uh, ruin his disposition. I don't think that he held grudges or let some bitterness uh, dwell in him. He's just mentioning these these people. Uh, Beware of them. And really the only reason I mention this is getting back to Philippians. Paul is mentioning now at the end of chapter 2, a couple men who stand in sharp contrast with with people like Alexander the uh, coppersmith. Uh and these two men are uh, Timothy and Ep- Ep- Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, and um, this is kind of a—I don't—I don't want to exactly say strange, but it almost seems out of place. This 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 uh, section of, of verses where it's at at the end of, of chapter two. You know, Paul's just gone through some pretty serious, pretty lofty theology about Christ. He's been telling us how to live the Christian life. And then all of a sudden, he he breaks out of that and says, "Oh, and I've got these these plans. I'm, you know, I'm going to do this stuff with Timothy and Epaphroditus." And uh, some commentators say that. Paul probably intended this to be the end of the letter, because this is the kind of thing Paul usually does at the end of a letter. But then when he was through with that, it's like, oh, yeah, there's more I want to talk about. So he kept going on. You know, Paul didn't have a word processor. He couldn't insert and, and things. Well, anyway, let's read with me, starting in verse 19 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Philippians 2.19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned with your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he's served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I shortly myself may, or will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed he was ill, near death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at sending him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service for me. Um, Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to your word as we we examine it, Lord. Uh, Speak to us in a way that only you can speak to us lord teach us what we need to know in jesus name so you know this section really doesn't have any direct teaching so to speak it it really doesn't give us uh you know the same kind of theology that the verses leading up to this do it doesn't really have any imperatives, any commands, you know, do this, do that, don't do this. Uh, you know, Paul has been telling us about Christ, how to live the Christian life. And, you know, what What I see in this, in this section is Paul's just giving us a couple of examples. These guys are friends. These guys are examples on how to live the life that we've been talking about. You know, these are men who... Looked not to their own interests, but the interests of others these are These are men who are walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, like Paul talked about earlier in this chapter let 's look at these two men these are paul 's friends are they 're his ministry partners and you know in in paul 's description of these guys we 'll see how we can put god 's word into practical terms. So this this is practical theology here. We'll, we'll look at these two men. First, uh, let's look at Timothy. Now remember, Timothy was born of a, a man who was Greek, a Gentile. And his mom was, was Jewish. Was, his mom was later converted to uh, Christianity. His mother and his grandmother had been very... Uh, influential in his life as he grew up he he grew up in a a godly home he learned about jesus he learned about faith in god In second timothy 1 5 paul says to timothy i'm reminded of your severe faith sincere faith it probably was severe too your sincere faith a, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother lois and your mother eunice and i am now sure dwells in you as well So, you know, by the way, this really speaks to the need for us as parents and and grandparents to, uh, you know, bring up our our children and grandchildren in a way that is uh, Christ-honoring, a way that uh, shows a sincere faith, that shows a a genuine relationship with the Lord. You know, our our instruction, our example for our, our kids and grandkids just cannot ever be overemphasized. And I know there are many parents and grandparents right here in this room today who are working very hard to do just that. And I, I want you to be encouraged by this. I know that God honors that. God honors your, your work and your faithfulness. Uh, Timothy was, it says, well spoken of by the, by the brothers. You know, So a good reputation was, was something that Paul uh, held in high value and he had uh, Timothy Timothy accompany him Paul had been become kind of a spiritual father or or a mentor to Timothy and he'd uh you know taken him on as a partner in the ministry they had a really long and meaningful relationship doing this uh, it spanned about 20 years and of course Paul and, <coughs> excuse me Paul and Timothy were together when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, so let's look at three character character traits that uh, Paul uses to describe Timothy. You know, first he says, "I hope to send. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare." Remember, uh, Paul had started this chapter with, with this imperative. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so here we, we see him saying, here's Timothy, here's, here's somebody who does this. He models this, this unity. He you know, this, this is what I was talking about. He has such great love for you. He's, he's concerned for your well-being. You know, this isn't a, a fake love. It's, it's sincere. It, it doesn't pretend. It, you know, it's, it's the real thing. And he says, there's no one else I can say this about. You know, I, I, I told you to complete my joy and, and love and unity. And here's Timothy. He does just that. This is what Timothy does. And you know, no, my joy will even be more full once I send him to you. So Paul sees Timothy as a a unifying influence. You know, he's he's a person who is very genuine. His love is is sincere. His concern is for others. Uh, you know, he's he's not the kind of person to step into a situation and, and bring discord. He brings unity. Paul says there's no one like him, no one else like him. Who all he says they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So he's drawing a drawing a contrast between Timothy and and the other people that he knows. Uh, Secondly, Paul describes Timothy as someone who uh, demonstrates humility. Paul had said earlier, uh, do nothing. From selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And remember, I mentioned uh, in a previous sermon when we went through that—you uh, know, there is no unity without humility. Humility is a prerequisite for unity in the, in the church. You know, and Paul himself exudes this, or excuse me, Timothy himself exudes this this humility. Uh, then put himself first. Doesn't put his own concerns first. He's concerned with the interests of others. He's concerned with the interests of, of Jesus Christ. He, Paul, remember at the very first this letter, he described himself and Timothy as what slaves of Christ, bond servants. Uh, they they were totally under God's control. There there was no question about their total submission to to their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul finally speaks of Timothy's faithfulness. He he was reliable. He had uh, shown his his mettle in the uh, the service of the cross. Uh, he says in verse twenty two. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust the Lord that that shortly I myself will come also. So Timothy has <coughs> Timothy has withstood the test. He's he's worked along Paul, alongside Paul. He's he's endured suffering. He's gone through uh good times with Paul he's he's gone through tough times with with Paul uh he's become valuable to Paul 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 says he's like a he's like a son to me you know and I trust that um Paul is being very sincere you know he, Timothy has been you know sort of an apprentice at first and he's you know worked up through the concerns and the hardships and everything he's he's earned his wings so timothy served with paul side by side serving god in the work of the gospel uh, spreading the the good news planting churches helping to strengthen churches that had already been planted and, uh, you know, this is Paul's passion, and he shares his passion with with Timothy. Uh, Timothy's been part of that work, and, and Paul says, therefore, I want to send him to you. That's significant because he knows that, you know, if he cannot go to Philippi himself, he can send Timothy, and it's going to have the same effect. It's just as if he is going there himself to accomplish what he would do if if he was there. So just like going himself. And we see Paul saying the same thing uh, uh, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4.16. Listen to this. He says, I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. You know, Paul, Paul considers Timothy to be a very reliable witness. You know, not only to to Christ Himself, but to uh, Paul's teaching, to Paul's personal example. You know, contrast Timothy with uh, John Mark. I think most of us are familiar with with that story. That uh, in in Acts thirteen, John Mark kind of bailed on on Paul while they were in the middle of a uh, missionary trip. Acts thirteen thirteen says Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, came to Perga in Pamphylia. A lot of peas there. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. And then later on in Acts 15 we see that, you know, Paul hasn't gotten over this. He he does not consider John Mark to be a reliable person. He has a debate with Barnabas, who is John. Did I say John Paul? John Mark. Um, Acts fifteen, thirty-seven to thirty-eight. Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark Paul thought it would be best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work and so this disagreement was, was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they actually uh, parted ways Barnabas took John Mark Timothy went his own way with, uh, uh, with Timothy he took Timothy on in uh, Acts sixteen, so by the time uh, Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, he, he's very confident in, in Timothy, you know, and he, he hopes to send them him to them. Uh, just as an aside, this doesn't really fit in with the outline, but uh, you know, we need to point this out that uh, there's there's something interesting and important about how Paul says he's going to do this. He says, "I hope in the Lord." to send Timothy in uh, 23 and 24 he says I, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how it goes with me and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also you see what he's saying here he's saying that really I can I can make my plans but it's it's up to the Lord he's saying that um, he's not really certain about his plans he thinks he knows what he wants to do but he's putting his plans in the Lord's hands He's submitting them to him, trusting that uh, he'll make his will known to Paul. You know, his, his hope is in the Lord. And, uh, you know, he's, he's waiting to see what the circumstances reveal. Um, there, there's this guy that I know in Arkansas. I won't, I won't mention his name. But um, you've ever been around somebody who said, Lord willing, all the time? Yeah. Uh, in in any uh, conversation or email, this guy will will sprinkle his speech with maybe twelve to twenty Lord Willings. Uh, we don't need to do that, but we do need to have the attitude that our plans are are subject to uh, God's will. We need to seek His will in, in the best way that we can. We need to commit everything to Him, His sovereignty, and and to prayer. So. Paul gives us these three attributes. Uh, first, a desire for unity revealed by this genuine concern for the welfare of the Philippians. Humility demonstrated by uh, you know, giving a, a very high priority to their needs, making his own needs secondary. And then third, faithfulness proven by his, his service with Paul and for Paul. Now, Paul turns to uh, the second man, Epaphrodites. Uh, as As for the background, we really don 't know much about this guy he 's only mentioned in this letter he 's mentioned several times, but uh you know Paul talks about him here. He talks about him in the second chapter later in uh, chapter four um, But like Timothy, Epaphroditus was an example of this living in a manner worthy of the gospel that that Paul talks about, you know putting other others' needs above his owns his own. Um, you know we know from chapter 4 that uh, the Philippian church had sent him to Paul with a gift in 4.18 Paul says I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God so they had had sent him with, with a gift for Paul Paul kept him there for some amount of time, now Paul's going to be sending him back. But he gives us uh, several, five, I believe, descriptors, you know, descriptions of Epaphrodites. We'll look at those. First, he calls him a brother. You know, Paul. Paul's expressing a very uh, close affinity to this guy, a brother. Of, of course, you know, brother means a fellow believer. I've got a whole room full of brothers, whole whole room full of sisters here. But um, he makes it personal. He says, my brother, my brother versus a brother. You know, they, they obviously had a, a close relationship. Paul next calls him a fellow worker. Uh, not only do they do they share a kinship in Christ, they share the same work; they work side by side, and uh, you know they're they're in accord in the work of the gospel. Now, the word in the original language means a helper, like, like an assistant. Paul, Epaphroditus is is valuable to Paul in his work. He he's made Paul's load lighter. He's he's enhanced Paul's ministry. You know how it is when you're when you're working alone. That can be nice, that can be fun, but sometimes you just need an extra hand you know here, hold this while I do this. you know that's kind of the picture that you see here he's he's an assistant, he's very valuable, you know sometimes two people can get three times as much work done as as one uh, when i was when I was much younger, I helped my dad build a couple houses, the first one when I was twelve or thirteen, the second when I was nineteen and i I suppose probably the 19-year-old me was a lot more helpful than the 12 or 13-year-old me. But in in both cases building these houses with my dad, you know, we we formed a special bond which uh, my other brothers who didn't help never benefited from that. You know, even even now after all these years, you know, there's there's just something there. You know, my dad and I got to know each other working together better than my dad did with, with my other brothers. You know, we, we already had a father-son relationship, uh, you know, a familial bond, but being being a, a fellow worker just added a, an extra dimension to our, our relationship. And that's the kind of thing that Paul is saying here. You know, he's not just a brother, he's a fellow worker. <coughs> And so, you know, we see Paul just kind of building, showing this relationship in layers. You know, he's he's a brother, he's a fellow worker. Next, have, he he uh, describes Epaphroditus as a, a fellow soldier. You know, they they've battled together. They've they've they have this commonality that that goes much deeper than just a brother or a worker. You know, they they've endured hardships, they've endured attacks they 've suffered together and and through jesus christ together they've they've prevailed uh, there there was a mini series uh, I think it must have been about twenty years ago, and i 'm sure a lot of people in here have seen a band of brothers uh, I really enjoyed that because it you know it, it in in many episodes i, I don 't know how many there were It seemed like quite a few went on for a long time but it it followed these guys uh during World War II, it, it started with them doing uh, their training together in uh, Camp Toccoa, Georgia. And, you know, it followed their unit through uh, airborne landings uh, in Normandy, Operation Market Garden, the Siege of Bestone, um you know, and on through different things throughout the war, through the war's end. Um, I really enjoyed that. It, it really showed these relationships. Just getting deeper and deeper as as you went along, you know some of the some of the guys died, some of them were were injured and and sent home. Uh, Chris doesn't tend to like war movies, but I recall she she enjoyed this one too as well, so you know paul this is the kind of thing Paul's talking about. he calls Epaphrodites a fellow soldier, you know, so much that he he has that brother. Worker, soldier, bond. Next, Paul uses uh, the the descriptor messenger, messenger for Epaphrodites. Uh, The word here is uh, apostolos. This is the same word that is translated apostle. It's the same word that's used to describe uh, the the 12. Uh, But we could think of it as like a little a apostle versus a a big A apostle. Apostle, you know, he was not one that the foundation of the church was built upon. Or, or he, he wasn't one that the church was built with. The foundation of the cornerstone is Christ. Uh, this word is used for uh, several New Testament people who were not part of the uh, uh, office of of, of Apostle. Uh, we've got Barnabas, Andronicus, Junia. Even even Jesus Christ had that word as a descriptor. Apostle. He was a messenger from God. So, Epaphrodites was a messenger, first sent from the church at Philippi to Paul, and now he's sending him back as as a messenger. And and finally, Paul calls him a minister and the the word here means a servant an aide, and an assistant you know he's served paul's needs uh, primarily by bringing this this gift from the the church in philippi and paul expects to send him back with joy he says and he wants to know that he wants them to know he wants to make sure that they're very well aware of his uh, sacrificial service you know he was he was ill almost to death, he says then he urges them to give him honor for his service, saying that he he risked his very life for them you know what what they weren't able to do for Paul epaphrodites was, and uh, Paul says, honor him and honor people like him so that brings up a good point. We need to honor and show appreciation for the the workers among us, and, and there are a lot as, as I look around here. You know, I'd, I'd like to recognize the faithfulness of those here who who work in our church. Uh, you know, the 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 people in the sound booth, the people that operate the the slides when I have them. Uh, you know, people who who set up for worship service and and clean the building, and uh, you know the the elders and and the deacons who uh, provide us with uh, leadership, the the worship team who give us music to draw us into worshiping our Lord. Uh, What else? People who work with our finances, um, people who provide us uh, safety and security, people who host groups in their homes, people who show hospitality, people who send cards and make phone calls and you know there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> the The people who built this this facility uh, what an amazing thing you guys did you know those who teach and mentor and those who serve in terms of their, their time and their talent and, and their treasure and I know I'm leaving dozens of people out probably uh, people who do hundreds of other things We need to honor them. And I honor you. I recognize you. I'm thankful for you. So our friendships far surpass the superficial type of friendship that we find on on social media. You know, we we can be real with each other. We can be genuine. And you know as as we close uh, what do we get out of this passage which almost seems like it's parenthetical you know many people probably when they read through philippians maybe just gloss over this real real quickly but you know it is a uh, a passage with with deeper theology than than it appeared to me when i first started reading through it and studying it you know maybe we can just get a glimpse of the kind of friendships that are possible for us as, as fellow Christians, uh, working together, battling together, partnering in the gospel. Paul is just publicly acknowledging these, these two. 2,000 years later, we're reading about them. Uh, they've been memorialized in, in scripture. That's pretty amazing. People have been reading about them for a long time. And so you know most importantly these are these are men who truly are of the same mind the desires in Christ, as Paul mentioned earlier in this chapter they they demonstrate the spirit of, of unity, humility, they subordinate their concerns to their to those of their brothers and sisters and, and Christ. They, they serve with self-sacrifice. Uh, they, their relationships with Paul are amazing. Uh, mutual support, mutual encouragement. They are, they are truly friends in, in the Lord. And, uh, you know, it would do some good for us to look at our relationships in the church. And ask ourselves, you know, do we do we have that kind of genuine friendship with our brothers and sisters? You know how how can we serve each other? How can how can we build the kind of relationships that, that we have here demonstrated before us in the example of, of these two men? You know how can we how can we set aside our our personal agendas and and serve God in ways which uh, are pleasing to Him? In which we put others above ourselves, you know how can we show sincere honor towards one another? Let's pray, um, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for giving us a, a window in the, into the lives of these these two men who Paul talks about. Uh, you've you've used this word to give us instruction, and I just ask that we would we would truly take heart what we hear today from your word. Uh, Lord, conform us to the image of Christ. Help us, Lord, to, to build these sort of relationships with each other. Lord, you said that uh, they would know we are Christians. We would know, They would know that uh, we are your disciples because of the love that we have for each other, Lord. And we pray this for your glory and in the name of Jesus. Amen.